Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Thank you. Well, we just could stay there. <laughs> Lord of God. Thank you, Glory Sisters. Well, we have two handouts tonight. Um, so if you haven't gotten them, they're here. One is the, I told you we were gonna learn how to book doing our ministry. And then the other one is the teaching notes. So if you haven't received those, pick those up. Well, hallelujah, just a couple of quick announcements. Tomorrow night, camp meeting starts, 6.30. It's, uh, it's about an hour drive. We did get the uh, saturate tent down on Monday, and we got the other tent up. Praise God, and it, so it is set up on the property. It's a beautiful piece of property. I will warn you, once you get up there, it's about an hour drive. Once you get up there, the last mile is a dirt road. And so, uh, yeah, it's narrow, it's a one way, you know, it's kind of like an old hunting camp road where you kind of pull off to the side and but watch, the, watch the swamp to one side there. Anyway, but it's a beautiful piece of property. So, but suggest you wear, you know, probably, uh, long pants maybe and some closed shoes uh, just you know as a suggestion but it was really awesome and we thank the Lord we have a good number of our team up there uh, they've been up there all week but uh, tonight also I've had a number of people so I know there's going to be a bunch joining at some point uh, on live stream at another point so if you did not get tonight's handouts uh, I will have some more here Sunday for those that uh, are listening by live stream or picking it up so um, just Let's see, what else do I wanna tell you? Um, we will have, you know, the, the schedule for camp meetings is all, it starts tomorrow night, Thursday night, Friday, Saturday. Uh, Sunday night is Jeremiah Johnson, and, um, but we will have both Spanish and English service here. Sunday morning I'll be preaching and Pastor Willie will be preaching, so, because we have some that are, are not gonna make the transition up there. And, however, just let the Lord lead you as to where you should be, hallelujah. All right, and then um, we will finish next week and then the following week, which is the first uh, Wednesday in August, we're gonna start a six-week teaching on the five-fold ministry. We're gonna dive into that. We've never delved that, so that's gonna be fun. Uh, I did take my test, by the way. Yeah, I took both of them, actually, the shortened. So we'll have, uh, we'll have some fun with that and looking at uh, the all five-fold ministry uh, aspects of what that is, the governmental structure of what Jesus said in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, that he's uh, gonna equip the saints with the work of ministry, and he's released a, the offices of that, and so we're gonna, we're gonna look at that. Jennifer Cost will be here August 7th. She'll be teaching, so that'll be fun, uh, preaching, so, well, and, uh, yeah. Okay, um, just a little bit on the, the handout on what's called the teaching notes for tonight. When I go overseas, I think the last time I did this was in Costa Rica before uh, COVID, um, or if I only get one night at a church, what I try to do is pull together everything that you've had in the last six or seven weeks, and I try to put it in one night of teaching because you'll run into people that, what's the biblical basis of inner healing and deliverance? If it's not in the book, you can challenge it, but if it's in the book, you'll be held accountable for it. So I try to pull together undeniable facts of truth. So I am. Go- this is all reviewed tonight, the first part of this. I'm gonna zip through this and have you follow through, but I wanted to put it all in one place for you. It is 
located also within the manual that you have, but I pulled it together and so, but let me start with a couple of questions for you first. Give me a scripture that either commands or commissions you to cast out demons. Mark 16, 15 through 17, right? The, go into all the world, make disciples of all men, uh, those who believe will be saved, those who do not. And then it goes on and says, and these will be the signs of them that believe. First one is cast out demons in my name. You'll be able to handle snakes or deadly things without harm. Some translations say, and lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. The last verse of that, Mark 16 says, and then the Lord went with them and confirmed by signs following that the message they preached was true. Okay, um, give me another one that confirms or gives you um, direction as to casting out or confronting demons. Luke 10, 19 is one, what's another? Matthew 10's another, that's the impartation given to the disciples. How about 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9? Remember Peter says in, in chapter one, um, in verse, uh, chapter five, First Peter, he says, watch out, the devil seeks whom he may devour and you're supposed to take a firm stand against him, right? So we're supposed to stand. Another scripture, remember in Ephesians uh, 6, where it says, put on the whole armor of God, having all to do stand, because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Um, Okay, definition, what is the, your definition of prayer ministry? As opposed to deliverance ministry. Say that again. A cleansing or a washing? Okay. Let's uh, turn to your first page of your handout on the teaching notes at the top there. Prayer ministry is defined. A little different language here, but it's transformation of one's thinking to align in order to align with the word of God. So prayer ministry is really, think of it this way. In prayer ministry, when we deal with the inner hurts and wounds of a person or the stuff that's happened in their life, so a person that's wounded, so that you guys are turning. Uh, first page under where it says, no, page number two actually, it's called the forward, and the first sentence on the top there, prayer ministry defined healing through deliverance, the transformation of one's thinking in order to align with the word of God. So kind of think of it this way. When we do prayer ministry, ministry ministry of prayer is to find the inner hurt and the wound of the individual that's there. We'll we'll look at how it got there in a minute, but so prayer ministry is what is causing this person not to be living in fullness? Jesus promised an abundant life, right? John 10, 10, the devil's come to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, so if they're not living abundantly, why not? He paid for it, why not? And our job is to find out Why? And so tell us your story, and as we listen to your story, and we're hearing the spirit that's behind it, whether it's a lie or a partial truth, we wanna know that, because once we understand that it's a lie or partially true, then we can look at what the scripture says that is absolutely true, because he's the way, the truth, and the life, and he's the word, and once we apply the word to the truth, he get free. So prayer ministry is, what is it that the person believes not to be true that's aligning with the word? Once we find that out, so then deliverance is a subset of prayer ministry. 
So if there's some kind of oppressive spirit associated with that, and it's there, we'll deal with that, but after you've gone through confession, forgiveness, and renouncing lies, that thing has lost its power, right? The devil's lost his power. And so, so we, we, so deliverance is really a subset of prayer ministry, but prayer ministry is looking at the whole person with how did you get hurt? What happened to you? What happened to you that this thing has caused you to be hurt or wounded or believing a lie? It's true that it happened. We're not saying, oh, you should get over it and get past it. No, no, we're not saying that at all. If it really truly happened to you, that's true, but it's not truth. And we're after truth, right? Okay. I'll see if I have another question. Where do most theologians land on where demons came from? Can you give me a scripture as to fallen angels? Give me a scripture on talking about fallen angels. It's a pretty, pretty amazing scripture. Revelation chapter 12, right? The war in heaven. So we know, let, let's turn there. Bring, pull out your sword for a minute. Turn to Revelation chapter 12. This is a foundational scripture for why most theologians believe that fallen angels were actually the rebellious group of one third of all the angels in heaven that when there was a war in heaven and they were cast out, right? This is the war between the woman and the dragon. It clearly identifies John the Revelator, whether you look at King James or New Living, it's clear who this dude is. It says the dragon, this is uh, Revelation 12:8. The dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to earth with all of his angels. Pretty hard to argue with that, right? So it talks about one-third, and so goes on and says, but they've now been defeated, and we've covered this pretty clearly, right? They've overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word you testify, your testimony in, engulfed in the blood of Jesus and your love relationship are the three parts of this thing that absolutely destroy the work. And so he goes on and says, then you know the war was declared. We covered this, I think, the first night. Look at verse 17. The dragon was angry with the woman, declared war against the rest of her children. And there's an interesting group of who are these children, all who keep God's command and maintain their testimony for Jesus. Very interesting language. You can have a testimony and lose it, right? New Living says says it that way. King James says, he makes war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandment of God and and have, present tense, have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Some of those who think you can lose your salvation use part of that scripture for that. However you argue, once saved, always saved or not. We won't go there. Okay, question? I don't know about everybody else, but I've had some challenges. Stuff's coming against me from the outside world that's just really crazy and bizarre. And on the way here, I was saying, you know, if Revelations 12 is 
telling us we are in a war. Yeah. Yeah, that was really, uh, so was, you know, yeah. Yep. Yep. And the, and you know, unfortunately, there are casualties in war, yeah. and innocence casualties in war. So th- for me, that helps with the whole context of the battle we're in. Because if we believe the lie that now I got Jesus, everything's supposed to be rosy. I'm going to preach this actually Sunday. <laughs> Ever hear the Linda Anderson song? I never promised you a rose garden. Some of you are probably too too young for that. But um, anyway. I never promised you. You're going to sing it? Praise God. Oh, okay. I never promised you a rose. Yeah, okay. So my point is, once you recognize there's a we're in a war zone, right? So if you don't, if if you think, man, everything's supposed to, I got Jesus. Everything's supposed to be working out. Did that work out for Jesus? He learned obedience by the things he suffered. I don't know. Why that scripture, like, wow, at least he proved who he was through all of it and was sinless. Okay, let's, um, let's rock right on. Um, so take a look at your handout. I'm gonna fly through these because I really, I wanna get into some um, mocking, um, kind of a mock setup on how we would do some prayer ministry. Next week, please come on time. I don't know if we're gonna have worship, but I want to, um, I wanna show the John Ramirez 40 minutes. So if you've got a weak heart, um, we're going to, well, anyway, you can have coffee. But basically, um, John Ramirez was a warlock, a very high-level warlock in Satanism. And uh, he now has a really awesome testimony. Uh, I'll just cut to the chase. When, after he had hurt a lot of Christians, there was a particular spirit-filled woman, and he shares this in his testimony, that he could not harm. He, he wanted her dead. And he's not shy about what he says on camera. And he could not touch her. So he had this engagement with the Prince of Darkness, which I think shifted his, if, if we don't have the power to touch this one woman who's spirit-filled, then you're not who you say you are, Satan. And so that shifted him, and now he's got testimony. So it's about a 30, almost 40 minute, uh, and he walks through in New York, and he shows you examples of how we're being deceived, where they are, objects, what people do, what's their techniques of how darkness works. So it's a, yeah, it's just a nice, easy listening, you know, stuff, you know. But we want to know the, st- the strategy, right? Paul says we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. And so we, we've moved along far enough, I pray, that we're not in a fear mode. We have authority over this darkness, right? And so, yeah, so, and then I'd like to take the last part of the night with summing it up with questions or concerns and stuff. So I really got to go because I really got, so let me rip through this. Um, if now John Ramirez, but we can't live stream it. So those listening by live stream, but we will give you, you can live stream it, so we'll go offline, uh, and you can watch it at home if you want to, and then we can come back online at the end. So we'll try to work that out. Daniel's a master at all this. Okay, so looking at page two in your uh, teaching notes tonight, we, uh, if you look at middle of that 
third paragraph there on page two, it says, number one, identifying what is this prayer ministry and healing? It is identifying the lies or misconceptions, which we've covered. Number two then, engages and removes any specific spirits that have come to, this is really important because we, we wrestled around, can a Christian, a spirit-filled or a born-again Christian be possessed? The answer is no, we do not believe that. But oppression, you've got enough Christian friends or even yourself, are there moments when you're oppressed with the darkness or sadness or despair that is more than just flesh? There's something going on. Well, so the second part of, of prayer ministry is that subset of deliverance, which engages any form of manipulation, influence, control, coercement, right? And so... That's the purpose of inner healing in prayer ministry. Okay, page two, uh, page three. This is some uh, scriptural references on, we went and spent a lot of time on what is sozo. We, we looked at that 110 times in the New Testament, that, that uh, Greek verb that's there. The misconceptions, see the third star down, it says misconceptions, Christians can't be vexed, tormented by demons once salvation comes. We know that that's not, the experience, and just look at the, the Old New Testament. Was Paul fighting against, he says, uh, Satan prevented me. There were times when, you know, the, the devil came, so here's Paul. This example of was, was he vexed and tormented? He even says in, in 2 Corinthians 12, he prayed, and it says, the Lord refused to remove this, whatever his situation was, he's allowed Satan to buffet me for a purpose, so that, again, that's like, oh, okay. So yes, we know that Christians can have a stronghold and they can be um, under some form of manipulation, influence, coercement, enticement. We looked at those, we'll even look at where they come from generationally or by misbehavior, rebellion, okay. See where it says Matthew 12, we, there, there's a part of this in, at the middle of that page, Matthew 12, 43 through 45, Religion without the fullness of God is really dangerous. That's where the religious spirit comes from. When, when people do not have the fullness of this gospel, that's why we hammer the fullness of salvation, healing, deliverance, fullness in the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, and for many, many years of my life, I did not. And I just believe that religious spirit that is there, that uh, does not preach the full gospel is so potentially damaging to the body of Christ. And so that's where the religious spirit can come in. It, it looks outwardly good. Dress this, length of hair, do this, don't do this. And those are all maybe good things, but without an inward work of the Holy Spirit, I think it's very, very detrimental. All right, we, uh, take a look at um, the bottom of that page. John 8, 12, Jesus is the light, and he's also the one who sets us free, John 8, 31, and prayer ministry. Okay, page four. Deliverance and prayer ministry for healing models should, whatever model you've been in, exposed to, in the, if they don't address these five areas, I think they're lacking. One is they need to go after generational sins. We looked at that last week in Exodus 20, Exodus 34. Ungodly beliefs or lies, the, the lie that you believe, right, Proverbs 23, seven says, as a person believes in their heart, so it is, whether it's true or false. If you believe it, you believe you're gonna be rejected, you're gonna fail, that you're ugly, that you're fat, 
that will open doors to anorexia, bulimia, other things, right? If you believe that to be true, and I've had a person, a woman stand before me who is thin and very attractive, and she says, I'm ugly and fat. I said, I don't know what mirror you're looking, but she was looking through a lens that had been projected on her, actually from her father. And so this, that's where it says, so generationally and the unbeliefs, the ungodly beliefs, and then the body and soul wounds. If you face trauma, you've been in a place where you've been victimized, abused, broken, or you've witnessed things, like uh, some of the servicemen that we do for PTSD, they have witnessed horror, right? They've been trained as in a, to kill in defense and that murdering spirit. That's why when you look at today, I think they're saying average 21 to 23 servicemen commit suicide every day in the United States. So the hotlines are, well, what is that? Well, we train them to kill, to defend, and then they go and they get in these environments and they witness horror and the consequences of that wound their soul. And unless God, so I remember doing a prayer ministry on a a Marine Corps sniper. Whew, man. He protected, but the, the, the impact of that when you shoot a child that's strapped with a suicide bomb to kill your troops and you take out a child who's been demonized by the other religions that that's gonna get you life forever. Those events, so there's a wounded soul as a body-soul wound of a trauma there. And of course then is demonic oppression which can come in through other doors which we've talked about. And then of course if you don't equip people once they leave their inner healing prayer ministry to be able to do spiritual warfare, I think we miss it as well. That's why we spent quite a bit of time on, and you got this as the first night handout, right? Which is, it had both the tree diagram and it had um, taking every thought captive. What's the origin, what are the four origins of thought? Once you recognize what is the spirit that has originated this thought that has now come into my mind 75,000 times a day, we got thoughts going on, 50 to 75 thoughts a day, 75,000 thoughts a day. So once I can do what the scripture says, take every thought captive, right? 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. Take every, the weapons of our warfare, not carnal, they're not fleshly, they're mighty to the pulling down of every demonic stronghold, taking every thought captive, making it subject to Christ. Once you do that, quick. Amen. So the other part of this is once you run it through Holy Spirit truth, is that true Holy Spirit? Once I, once I can recognize, wait a minute, what is that? Why am I feeling sad right now? Why am I depressed? Why am I angry? Why am I bitter? What, what's up with that? What's the Holy Spirit? James 1, 5 says, Holy Spirit, I, I can ask you because you're the spirit of truth. Tell me the truth right now. Why am I feeling this way? Because Hebrews 5, 14 says, the mature believer has trained themselves to discern good and evil by reason of use. So by reasoning of your use, pay attention to your senses because I've had a woman even this past week says, do my feelings matter? Absolutely. But don't be ruled by your feelings. But your feelings were given for a reason. Jesus wept, he felt, he, you know. So yes, but what's the source of that? And if it's a legitimate reason to feel that way, celebrate, but run it through Holy Spirit, word of truth. And if it's not true, then discard it, put it in the trash can and replace it. And that's why we went through this one, right? Hey Siri. 
What are some scriptures on overcoming depression? Okay, I found this on the web for what are some scriptures on overcoming depression? Check it out. 21 verses, 30 verses. So you can, you can go click on this right here and you can immediately, you can be in your vehicle, you can be, well, don't, don't read your phone in your vehicle, but she can tell you, right, that this is how you overcome it. So what did you do? It's right there. You got this whole concordance at your fingertips that says, give me the truth. And then what you do is you counter the lie and replace it with truth, even if you don't feel like it, right? Because it's not about your feelings. Okay, moving right along. So what are some of the scriptural basis for deliverance and healing? I'm not gonna go through that. We've covered those, but I will look, just look at number five on that page four. I counted 28 apostles in the Bible, only one evangelist. Interesting, Philip, who starts out in the House of Mercy ministry, right, in Acts 6, we gotta let the apostles look at the word, so let's get some spirit-filled men and handle with the widows, because we got cranky widows right now that are not getting the food they need, and so let's turn that over to these guys, but they gotta be wise and full of the Holy Ghost. So we get Stephen, we get Philip, and some of the other guys, and Philip walks us out later after the persecution begins. He ends up in Acts chapter eight in Samaria, dealing with the half-breeds there. Holy Spirit falls, the big guns go there. You remember this one, right? Holy Spirit, they can't, the Samaritans are receiving the kingdom? That can't be. They go there and the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on them, right? And so that's Philip. And then Philip is the guy also in, uh, in Acts chapter eight, he's the one that, not only in Acts chapter eight, but remember later, he's also the one that takes the, the, uh, uh, the eunuch, right? He's, he's running along and, he, and the Holy Spirit says, talk to that guy. So you got the Ethiopian eunuch, he jumps up and says, what you reading? I'm reading the book of Isaiah, but I don't understand it. He, he opens the, the word of truth to the, to the eunuch. Hey, there's water here. What would prevent me from getting baptized? And he baptizes the eunuch, and then he's transported. Man, I love that. Like, woohoo! what is that? So if you think, well, that's really strange. Yeah, the scriptures are full of power. Okay, so he's transported. Later, we see in Acts chapter 21, it says, Philip, the evangelist, this is like 20 years later. So he's a faithful guy. Philip, the evangelist, whose daughters, four daughters, unmarried daughters operate in prophecy. So he's a five-fold minister who starts out as a deacon in House of Mercy. I love that. But he's the only one I know of that talks about an evangelist in the New Testament. Okay. Of course, there's others that are there. But all right, pursuing purity and intimacy. At the bottom of that page, these are some scriptures. We know that purity and intimacy are weapons of warfare. And there's lots of things here. Number three, cleanse yourselves from every defilement because uh, righteousness is a weapon. Second Corinthians, number two there, Second Corinthians 6, Proverbs 26, 2. Number 12, the reason prayer ministry is really effective because when you spend six, five, six, seven hours with someone, they've fasted their day. They've got babysitters if they're a mom. or They've taken a day off from work the first and second minister, and if there's a third one, they set the whole day aside. We don't charge any funds for this. It's freely received, freely give. So you set aside time. You, maybe you didn't fast food, some do, but we, didn't, but we fasted the day. We have set aside, this is so important to we to spend time with you so that you can unpack your life and we can be your witnesses with heaven on this, and that is a fast. 
And what does he tell us in, in Mark 9? He says some of these go out by prayer and fasting. So we pray because the, the effectual fervent prayer of the, of, uh, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous accomplishes much, right? James 5. So, so when you put all those, the word is active, it's alive, it's full, and God's gonna watch out for his word. So when all that comes together, woo okay. Moving right along, page five. There are two enemies, sinful flesh and demonic oppression. The remedy for your flesh, you cannot cast out your flesh, right? It, the, what do you, the scripture tells you to nail it to the cross. Remember in, uh, in Galatians chapter five, if you walk in the, in the flesh, you're gonna produce all this garbage. Right? If you walk in the spirit, you'll produce love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, mercy, self-control. And he says, then he finishes that with nail your passions to the cross every day. So we gotta recognize what Paul says there in Galatians 5, that you are never free from this battle. That's why you gotta take up your cross daily. You may have victory yesterday, and like today's a new day. And something may happen, or you know, what's coming, right? So Enemy number one, your sinful flesh, nail it to the cross. Recognize what that is. Pay attention. If you're having ugly thoughts, ask the Lord, what's the source of that? Yeah, well, that might have been that R-rated movie you watched last night. Or it might have been this argument you had with somebody. Or it might have been a negative comment that somebody made about you. Well, where'd that originate from? What's the truth of that, God? What do you say about that? And then you take that thought captive, run it through Scripture, replace it with truth, Cast aside the other thing and move on. Don't let it get you down. Okay, second enemy is the demonic oppression. And you cannot nail a demon to the cross, <laughs> right? You gotta cast him out. Jesus was not um, benevolent to demons. Get out, go, shut up, be quiet. You know, it's like, okay, so you have authority, okay. Open doors, we covered some of this last week, I just wanna hit it again, those five things. Generational history, the sins of the fathers. We, we looked at that, we looked at Exodus 20, and we also looked at Exodus 34, and we went through the three levels of sin, right? Sin, iniquities, and transgression. Those who hate me, he talks about the transgression, the iniquities of the fathers, the twisted character, remember this? Okay, so generational stuff, life experiences, you will reap what you sow, Galatians 6, 7. God will not be mocked. What you sow, you will also reap. If you reap hatred, gossip, immorality, perversion, you will reap it. And so that's open doors. That's your, what, have you, what doors have we opened in our lives to bring us there? The good news is he can, we can repent and set us free. He says that also in Galatians and other places, right? 1 John 1, 9, confess your sins to him. He's faithful to forgive you, all right. Belief systems, we've kinda hit that. What you believe, whether it's fear, rejection, right? Number four, judgments. Um, if you make a judgment against yourself, some people talk self-hatred to themselves. You idiot, you fool, you're such a, you know. You, those are curse words that you're bringing against yourself that does not line up with scripture when you look at what Jesus did for us and what he says in the word, and then behaviors, okay. How do we tie up a strong man? You said it before, B. What are the two ways we tie up a strong man? Repentance and forgiveness. So out of Matthew 12, he says, remember he gets accused in Matthew 12, Jesus of being the prince of demons, and they, he says, 
Um, well, let me ask you about your exorcist then. Well, how do they do this? <laughs> they can't answer that. He has a word of knowledge that they're speaking that evil about him. He warns about attributing the things of the Holy Spirit to the demonic darkness. There's a real risk there. People who think that that can't be God. And so who made you God? Now, you're supposed to test. Try things out. Does that really line up? And we don't test the word, test the spirit there, because not everything is of God. But there is a place there. We have to be careful. And then he says that you can tie up the strong man, but who can tie up the strong man? Only someone who is stronger than him who enters his house. So confession and repentance. That's why in the model, when we start to unpack, when they're telling their story, we're going to look at the booking of this. When they start to tell their story, we're listening. So, yeah, um, this person took advantage of me and abused me. Well, what's their name? Tell me what happened there. How old were you? What were you thinking at that time? And they're telling the story, and we're listening. What's the spirit? Betrayal, insecurity, failure. There's things, we're gonna look at a whole demon grouping. I've got a handout on that. And so you're listening for what's the spirit behind the story that you're now telling me, and then what do they believe about that? Because if it's not, it doesn't line up with scripture, or they believe when you, here's another thing that happens, when you start to tell, when they tell their story, and you start to see multiple um, consistency of stories that happen at different times in their life, a consistency of rejection, a consistency of betrayal, a consistency of loss, a robbery, things stolen from them, or um, loss of life or sickness. You start, to, you start to see a pattern. Where did it go? Well, it started grandpa, grandma, and start, we start to see a pattern of, oh, that's the strategy that's been to destroy this person because he's come to kill, steal, and destroy. We want to find out his strategy of destruction against this individual because once we counter that, we're getting electrocuted right now. And so once we understand that, it's like, ah, that's the strategy. That's the strong man. So how do you tie him up? Why don't you forgive the betrayer? Why don't you confess the hatred you have for the betrayer? Because once you start to confess and forgive, you're just let, just get a picture of this big ugly thing, right? That's there trying to, and you're just tied up in a chair and you're, another lash, another lash. Pretty soon they're like, he's sitting there like, you have no right in this house. Why don't you take off? Because you're unauthorized to be here. And we just kick him out. And so when we used to jump in right away and say, let's cast out that rejection you got. No, let's, let's tell the story first. So we take our time. It's a whole lot less drama. We would wrestle on the floor with, especially those who'd been involved in the occult. We'd be there and, you know, they're trying to do all sorts of goofy and we'd like trying to restrain them and like, let's calm down here and like, tell us your story. And it was like, this is so cool. Once they've told the story and willingly confessed and forgiven, it's like, where's the drama? Why don't you just kind of go? Now, if they've been in blood sacrifice, there may still be some drama or demons talking upon us, but it's, again, it's rare, rarer. Okay, so tie up the strong man. Um, if you think about it, confession and repentance puts the ropes on him, the darkness, but the truth sets that person free. So the person who is all bound up in the oppressiveness, once they have confessed and forgiven and we replace truth over what they believe to be a lie, that person gets free. So there's two aspects of this. Let's tie up the the joker, but let's also bring truth that sets you free. 
and that's why when we book this, I'll show you. We, I listen carefully with, yeah, my dad told me I'd never amount to anything. Or he said, you're so ugly, no one would ever want to marry you. Those are curses projected that have landed, and they have an in, uh, a real de- uh, demonic influence on the outlook of a particular individual given by a responsible, supposed to be one who encourages and sets identity, but it's gotten twisted. And sometimes it's right motive, wrong method. Remember the example I used way back where I was doing this prayer ministry um, on the guy who ended up um, getting his neck broken, right, when he was body surfing? Nick Pianucci. And Nick, well, I probably shouldn't use his name. This particular example was his father told him you would never amount to anything, took him up and showed him a million-dollar house in California. So what do you see there when he was 12, 10 and 12? And he said, uh, you'll never get that because you don't work hard enough. And now he's in his mid-30s. He's in prayer ministry. And he, I said, did, did anyone ever project um, insecurity, rejection? Because you, you've got a successful business you're running right now. He goes, oh, yeah, I can tell you exactly where that happened. And so we had to break that curse and renounce the lie. I forgive my dad for making it because it was, he was trying to motivate his son to be a hard worker, but the method really, ugh, bad, you know? So sometimes we, we might have the right motive, but the way we deliver it is wrong, and that's where we as parents, leaders have to, hey, man, that was, that was messed up. So once he renounced the lie that I'll never amount to anything, and I forgive my father, he got free, and... Yeah, it was awesome how we went. We went to Brazil with us, and we, I think I told you that story. Okay, um, next page, page six. Confession, generations. Uh, we've covered this before, but I just listed some places where generational sin landed. Some of them are really awful. Um, we read the, the third and fourth generation there on number one on page six, but the father's cursing their children in Matthew 27, 25. Remember they tell Jesus, we will receive the curse for our children. Woo, ooh, and that obviously was fulfilled. Okay, turn to the next page. Page seven, um, we have a choice of blessing or cursings, and I've listed some scriptures there. Deuteronomy 30, why don't you turn there for a minute. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, he talks about your choices that heaven is watching. This is what I believe is part of the, the, one of the books that are open, right? These are activities, choices we make, and he warns here in Deuteronomy, well, 28 is, is loaded with blessings and curses, but then 30 kind of summarizes it in Deuteronomy 30, 15. Now listen today, I'm giving you a choice between life, death, between prosperity and disaster. I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands. We know that's also out of Matthew 22, right? The great commandments, the two that he lists there that everything hangs on. Because if you'll walk in my ways, live, you'll multiply, you'll be blessed in the land that you're about to enter and occupy. But if you turn away and refuse to listen, verse 17, and drawn away to serve other gods, then I warn you that you'll certainly be destroyed. Verse 19, today I have given you a choice between life and death, between blessings and cursing, and now I call on heaven and on earth to witness the choice you make, that your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, 
You'll live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he tells that to Israel, but it's obviously a choice we make, and heaven's keeping record of what is going on. And so is the devil, by the way. So he knows, those are where he looks at the generations, and he has the right of visitation. We covered this a few weeks ago. He has the right to visit to the third and fourth generation those who hate me. All right? All right. Bottom of that page, ungodly belief systems don't be conformed to this world. Again, this is putting off the old man, pulling down demonic strongholds. Next page is page eight. That's your tree diagram. We have a better copy of that in this handout we gave you the first night, right? More purdy. And so, but I like the roots on that one. It's like, yeah, okay. Next page, we won't spend a lot of time on page nine, but it's really worth looking at how do you see yourself and it's, you know, sometimes we don't, what does Leif say, the, the part of the problem with deception is we don't know we're deceived, right? And so, if you look at the center, it says, these are the way we're supposed to see the image of God. But uh, on the right side is sonship, the other side is orphan. So let's, example, uh, see the one that says, the motive for purity, middle of the page there? Those that are orphans would say, I must be holy, now this is scripture says, be holy, <laughs> that's true. But in order to get God's favor, this is my earned, if I be holy, I'll be a good boy and a good little girl and then God will bless me. The orphan thinks that way, it's the carrot stick kind of stuff. And there is obviously tr- some truth in there, that's why it's effective. But if that's how you're motivated as opposed to, I want to be holy. Because it comes down to how do you, what's your imagery of how you see yourself in God, and how do you see God? Is he a dictator with the, you know, with the stick that's ready to whack you, or is he the loving papa who says, come, sit on my lap, right? And so this is really cool when you look at what are some of the, uh, the bottom of the page where it says conditional and distant. If you see God's presence as conditional and he's a distant God, then that's not a healthy way to see it. If you see him as close and intimate, and for most, at least my experience, that's a journey of the heart. When you get more and more scripture, and we realize, he really loves me. That's sometimes, wow, God, you know the things, that's, yeah, I love you. And then he shows us that through our own kids or grandkids, like you love them even when they mess up, right? Okay, next page. Uh, another way to look at, what, what do, you, do you see grace or law? The, the religious spirit sees law, um, and it's all about Satan traffics in that. So you see, middle of the page there, it says, if you have a wound come, do you continue to rehearse the wound? This happened to me. Am I a victim? And you, you kind of re- keep playing the, now that may, it may take some season after a really big trauma to get through it, but don't stay there. Don't keep rehearsing the victimization look at, I want to release this hurt. I want to release the wound. And that happens in prayer ministry. These are examples of what we look for. I had someone recently ask me, do I really have to forgive? I said, remember the one where Paul, uh, Peter goes and says, how many times? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh my, help us, Lord. We, we need you to help us with this, right? And so the answer is, I may not feel like it, but you have to, you will to, and we use the example of Jesus on the cross forgive them. Okay, next page. Light reading for the evening. There are 53 demon groups here. 
Um, the reason I list those, these are out of pigs in the parlor, that um, because when, let, let's, let's take the example of, let's look at bitterness, we'll just use that one as an example. Someone comes in and you can tell that they are just like, remember the example I had, this woman came in, Pat and I were doing the ministry, and she had been, uh, her father was not close to her, she'd been raped by a, a classmate, when she came home from a basketball game at 16, she was abused. She had listened to, uh, she had gone and played in a Ouija board, printed out a guy's name of who she's gonna marry. She leaves home at 18, 19. She's involved in an industry that is not good. A lot of flesh stuff going on. And she meets this guy who's got the name and marries him. He's a uh, bisexual abuser, runs off with another man and leaves her after eight years of marriage. And so, She's then remarried like 20 some odd years later, a couple of kids, and, and marriage isn't going well. She's been paying a lot of money in marriage counseling with her husband, and someone, in, one of our ladies runs into her and says, have you ever considered prayer ministry? What's that? Well, so she comes, she's not part of our church, and Pat and I are doing the ministry, and, we're go- and she's unpacking what I just told you. Obviously, it's take, tell us your story. And so I'm starting to get this picture of, she's had some really lousy men in her life. <laughs> And it's true, she did. So the Holy Spirit just prompted me, he says, forget that, I said, forget I'm a pastor and just tell me, what do you believe about men? She got quiet and then kind of in a really bitter, almost deep, men are a bunch of filthy pigs. They'll do nothing but get in your pants. And then she collects herself. Pat and I look at each other like, hmm, something there and she you know we we do the pastoral thing it's okay you know that's what you believe it's good to know that you believe that and by the way it is true you have met met some filthy pigs but now you believe all men are filthy pigs and do you think your husband has a chance of getting access to your heart the very thing that you want that you're paying money to get it's not working right and so that bitterness so look at the line there there was a bunch of unforgiveness, and some of it, obviously, they, they needed to be forgiven. There was hatred, there was violation, there was, there was no murder, but that bitterness had taken root. And now, her husband represents all men. So when he messes up, which we're really good at doing, guys, right? That's why we needed to help her. And so, we mess up, and that echo you're just like all the other men. Maybe you're not being as vile, but, and so don't talk three days, close the door, sleep in another bedroom, and, and so, so we instruct her, she forgives all the dudes, and uh, we tell her that's a lie, that not all men, would you be willing to believe that your husband's not like all men? Because this isn't working for you, is it? No, it's not. Would you be willing to risk your heart to him even if he breaks it? Oh, that's scary, yeah. So you gotta walk this out differently the next time the engagement happens where you're gonna exit stage right and not talk to him for three days and then you got kids and you gotta pay bills and you gotta talk, you gotta do dishes, cut the grass, you know, things happen. So you patch it up the best you can and here we are. And that's not successful marriage. So she says, okay, and so that night she goes home and she is so excited, tells him, the only reason I know it is she calls Pat. They exchange phone numbers and I'm getting the download every day of what's going on, which was a really good um, example of what's going on. And so he goes home and thinks she went to the marriage counseling for like an hour. And 
No, I told them, I was there six, seven hours, I told them everything about you and me. <laughs> and he freaks out, the pride man rises up like, oh my God, who are these people? What did you tell them? <laughs> Normally, stage right, exit, I'm out of here, you jerk. No, I told them that you could break my heart and you're breaking my heart. She's crying, he starts crying, and they have this night of makeup that is just amazing. And so, what's the point? This spirit, when they're telling the story, there was bitterness, there was anger, resentment. So there's a bunch of sisters running together in this that has molded her ability to see the man she wants to love. And I can't, I can't see through it because of my hurt and my wounds. I believe this. And so... Now there's risk, obviously. You gotta, you, we don't ever want to put yourself in a, in a real physical risk or anything like that. We tell people get out, but okay. So these are examples of demon groupings. I call them the sisters that want to run together. And so you might find there's a group of them that are running together. So when they're telling a story, example, someone that has been molested, maybe as a child, you got a bunch of potentials. So what happened? How old were you? Who did it? Um, what happened with that? Well, was it dismissed by a family member? Did you ever tell anybody? No. So what could be there? First of all, you got molestation. You have abuse. You have lust, seduction, probably confusion, especially if they're young. Fear, insecurity, a lot of, you know, the whole confusion of, so what you're doing in the booking, we'll look at this in a minute. Oh, let's, let's do that right now. Take a look at this handout. When I, when I start ministry, I, I just put the top heading. So on this page here, see on the left side it says soul ties and generational. And then on the right side it says forgiveness. And then on the bottom left it says what's the spirit behind that story? So let's walk this through and give you an example. And then over here is what are some, I usually start the day with, we'll, we'll look at the actual steps of the model. I start the day with, so why are you here? What do you want? If Jesus could be here right now and give you exactly what you want, what would that be? Can you give us words around that? I just wanna be free, I, I don't wanna be, I don't wanna feel de- depressed and rejected, I wanna be free of anxiety. So I asked them, Give me what's the desire of your heart, which Psalm 37 says, trust the Lord, do good, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So the desire of your heart, if it's legitimate to be free, to be not angry, to not be anxious, you got tons of scriptures on that, right? So it lines up with the word. So I usually write that down, says we wanna see that. But then, as they're telling the story, what's the lie? Example, the one I gave you is, all men are a bunch of dogs. It's true, you met some dogs, but all men? So that's a lie. It's partially true from the people you've met, and we need to forgive all those dudes, and then we need to confess the anger and resentment and bitterness that you've been carrying, and forgive all the dudes who were a bunch of dogs, and once we do that, you've tied up the strong man. But the lie is all of them. And so, um, then we're listening, so what's, what's going on in your family? Well, my dad really, I, he, he liked tomboy, he liked boys. I tried to be a tomboy. And so, so the identity of her being a, a, her true identity of self was twisted because her dad had rejected her. And she tried to be something that she can't be. And so, 
We also found out, yep, there's Masonic in the family. There's, I've struggled with a lot of depression and sadness as a result of trying to be something I'm not. So we're listening and we're saying, well, what, what about your mom and dad? Oh yeah, my mom, she was always under my dad's thumb. So the oppressive spirit. So we start to look at, what about addiction? Yeah, my grandfather was in, was in you know, he was an alcoholic. What, and my grandmother died of breast cancer. We've had many in our family that have been diabetic. So we're starting to put over here generational stuff. What are you telling me? There's a pattern. So we're listing what are some of the patterns that are showing up in the family. And then on the right, we're just going down the family group. So what was your relationship with your mom? What was your relationship with your dad? Did you have grandparents? And if that goes off on a tangent, I, I never met my dad. My mom and he divorced when I was a baby. So who, who raised, well, yeah, we had a stepdad come in when I was 12. What was your relationship with your stepdad? Oh, that wasn't good. Well, what do you mean, what was there? And so that becomes a person to forgive, but you're also telling me the story of what happened. Well, yeah, my dad, I found out, was unfaithful because he left mom, he ran around with other women. So we have adultery in the generational piece. Multiple divorces. So we start to look at what are the generations, and so you're, you're listening in the spirit to the story, but what's the spirit that's behind what you're telling me? And what do you believe about that? And so, when, and then when you start to see a pattern of, you know, maybe low self-esteem, fear of failure, fear of man, it starts to give us a pattern. All right, so this, the demon grouping just helps with, um, really, those are kind of ways to look at what could be the spirit that's associated with that. All right, let's take the last few minutes and do the model. So on page 13, which is the same that you have in your, uh, obviously in your wirebound manual as well, but we'll just use this example here, it's the same one. Page 13, so the destiny model of prayer ministry is what this house uses. Now I realize there are other techniques, so you see that on page 13 of your handout, right? Okay, so the way we start this, it, the actual process starts, right now we're booked out I think till November, right Pat? Yeah, so we're doing, we had three yesterday, um, prayer ministry, different team members are being raised up, also equipping other churches and that's awesome, I love that. So the process stance starts way in advance. Pat will send you a journal, the journal is also on page 159 of, your, of, the, of my book, which starts, uh, how do you, the, destiny, the whole destiny model last part is in the book. How do you get started, um, and what is the journal, what's the model itself, um, how do you pray, what's your covering. So I tried to cover that there, but what's here is we start out, Pat will send a journal out, and that journal is on page, turn to page, Yeah, it's on page 18, actually. It's a two-page journal. She'll either email it or send it. And what it does is it starts out with, so we give this to the person who's gonna do ministry. Uh, first, Pat usually does a lot of the vetting, or I do it. Pat will get on the phone, and she can pr- quickly discern, you know, is this person ready? We just had someone cancel. Um, when we vetted them, it was like, I don't think I'm ready for this right now. Um, yeah, you know, um, living with your girlfriend is probably not a good start to this ministry. You're not gonna, we're not gonna be able to f- fulfill that right now. And so the journal will take you through 
scriptural references, that's a part there too, but we also ask you to get a piece of paper out, and this piece of paper is a private, can be a journal, but can um, be a piece of paper private. On the top of it, write forgiveness. And then take the next few days, on another page, put confession. And then let the, ask the Holy Spirit, who do I need to forgive? And go back as far as you can remember in childhood. And just ask the Holy Spirit, who do I need to forgive? And then just keep track. The next couple of weeks, some people now, four, five, six weeks, two months, uh, and they have the, we hear, yeah, I've had some dreams. And yeah, I met somebody I hadn't seen in years. And I need to remember that one. And so, often get questions, well, what if I don't remember everything? You don't have to. We've had people that have had uh, trauma, uh, loss of memory, or they can't, maybe in childhood's blocked, been blocked out. Some things have gotten blocked out. But the Holy Spirit knows everything, knows your heart. And so, so you do the best you can. He'll bring revelation. And we've had people come in with pages and pages and pages. And then I've had some guys come in with stuff written in the margin on the journal. But God is faithful. But if you'll spend the time asking Holy Spirit, who do I need to forgive? And then why do I need to forgive them? So the example of, uh, in, the, in the example of the bisexual husband who ran off with another man, broke my heart in betrayal and there was obviously spiritual stuff there, soul ties of perversion, immorality, betrayal. So they're writing down, what do I need to, who do I need to forgive, and then I need to confess my anger, resentment, and bitterness. So you'll see in that process of capturing in your journal, we tell them, bring your journal. You don't need to share it with anybody. Some spouses share it with each other, that's fine. Um, but I said, look, we don't, we don't invite your spouse to your session. It's really, really rare. When we do children, we'll have a, a parent present or a guardian. But in your case, because one of your issues may be your spouse. <laughs> so we want you to be free. And this is not I'm gossiping about my spouse. We are, we hope, we pray, we're mature enough to recognize the way you've processed this hurt is the way you process this hurt. Whether it's true or false, you believe it to be. So therefore, we don't invite your spouse to it, that's your session, and at the end of your session, we will take your confession and repentance, your confession and forgiveness list, tear it up, and as an act, we'll throw it in the trash, because it's no longer viable. There's no more record of it in heaven. If you've been truthful and faithful in confession, he says he can't remember your sin anymore, so why do you want to bring your journal home and rehearse it? Don't, it's not scriptural. So we do kind of like, tear that thing up, and so, Okay, so this happens in advance, and we give some examples of what do you look for? Have you had false beliefs? Were you in the wrong, did you go to the wrong church? Were you uh, in, in another church that doesn't believe Christ is the Son of God? False beliefs. Were you involved in witchcraft? Did you do drugs? Were you immoral? Did you have sex outside of marriage? Did you have an abortion? What, what are some of the things that you have participated in that you know does not line up with Scripture that has brought you shame or guilt or fear, right? So these are some of the questions you ask, and then the, after that, the vetting process is we ask them, are you a believer? Um, do you believe the Holy Spirit can lead this? Because we've had a couple of cases where people come and they're not spirit-filled, and they don't have a clue about the Holy Spirit. So we've, we, we do some vetting in, in advance of that, the journal, and then we select the team. Pat and I get together and say, this person's coming, Sometimes a person will say, could I have this person do my ministry? And that's fine. 
um, generally we'll vet it as well. But you'll always have at least two present, uh, and they'll be of the same gender as the person you're ministering to, or at least one of them will be. And so, all right, then we're at the model. So now we've vetted, they've got their journal, we've set up the time, we've got the, te- the team selected, we have a quiet place, we tell them, set your day aside, because we're not leaving here until we're all satisfied and done. And that includes me. And so, I tell them, don't, don't schedule childcare at 1.30, because we may not be done yet, right? And so we're just going to, once we open and go in this direction, we're not going to cut it off. And so, like I said, I think one, one I did was 13 hours. And uh, my wife would call at like 12 hours and, what are you doing? I said, well, we're still in it. Yeah, okay. And it's a, it's a blessing. I'm not complaining at all. Okay, so then we said, who's going to lead and who's the second? And if we have an intercessor present or someone being trained. So we've formed the team. It's in a quiet place. It's not distracting. We have other ministry going on. Um, We set them in a certain place. When I sit them in prayer ministry, I don't have them facing the door. So when Pat goes on and says, lunch is ready. They're not like, you know, right? Or they're going like, you know. Well, let's take a bathroom break right now. And you know, so we don't want them to be distracted and we don't want other members hearing what's going on, etc. Okay. So then we've got the team and we know who the leader is and then we pray. And look at that. It says, take authority. I usually quote out of Luke's chapter 10. We've been given full power and authority over all works of the devil that we can walk among the snakes and scorpions and in no way can heal. So what we're doing at this, think of it this way. There are, I like this example. One picture of this is, it is open heart surgery. And I tell people, right now, we're gonna ask God, there's certain damages that have happened to your heart over life. And you may need a stent, or you may need a, free, a full wire job. And so, we're gonna ask God to examine your heart, and all we are gonna be is the gloves on the surgeon's hands. The gloves never tell the surgeon you're doing this wrong. So we follow the surgeon and they will sign a release. That's here also on page, somewhere in here. I think it's maybe the last one. No, it's not quite. Yeah, it's on page 21. Before they start, we'll sit down and welcome them. How's it going? Have you had any uh, challenges? What's the desire of your heart? So kind of break in the ice. Do you need coffee, water? You, are you comfortable here? Yep. The temperature's good for you? Yeah, yeah, we're good. And so, okay, would you sign this release? Because we, we're gonna, we could give you advice that you may not like, but it's biblical, and we would like you to release us and not sue us. Would you be willing to do that? Yeah, and they sign it, so good. Okay, and then I ask them questions. Are you on any medications? Because that part there that page 21 says, are they ready to be, uh, have ministry? So we make an assessment. They've been vetted, they brought their journal. Um, somewhere in here, I got that page, I lost it again. And in the middle of that where it says, do you believe the, the potential ministry recipient is a candidate, yes or no? If not, explain why. So I asked them, are you on any medications? Anything going on at this, any restrictions we have at this point? And we're making an assessment. Remember we told you that if someone is addicted, we would like them to sober up before they come to prayer ministry. And if they're on some uh, drugs that are maybe shut the soul down, we want to at least make an assessment of, can you receive 
and even work with your doctor potentially to, but we don't give you medical advice, but we'll make an assessment. Especially people who've been on schizophrenia medicine or bipolar, and if they're just in the process of adjusting the medication, maybe it's a time we need to wait. Or if they're coming out of a half, that's why people that, women who have been trafficked, who have been gotten free, or the drug addicts that have gotten free, but come from the halfway houses, we'd like them to be in a phase. So the, the ministries we work with out there, they'll say, this lady has been with us nine months, and she is clean, and she's broken free from her pimp, and she's at a place where she's ready to receive now a healing of her soul. The very things that put her in the condition that opened this up, can we, it's a, it's a blessing to be able to do that. So we make an assessment, we make that determination, they sign it, and then we move, okay. So now, then we take this, we bind any spiritual darkness. So get this picture, we're gonna, you just signed that you would give permission to the great surgeon, the heart surgeon Jesus, to come and do this work, and you've released him. Now another picture then would be, think of it this way, is what we're gonna do is we're gonna dig down into roots of your life, and we're gonna find these roots that are not bringing you life. And so, but we're also recognizing part two of the ministry after you tell us your story, probably after lunch, we will provide lunch for you, but after lunch, you told us your story, we're then gonna enter what we call the court of heaven phase, where it says that you've been seated at the right hand of Christ, and it tells us that there's a scroll of remembrance, Malachi 3.16, that has been written for those who love to tell the story and honor the, faith, the, honor the fear of the Lord. And you're gonna see the difference between my children and the children who are not my children on the day that I act. I have a scroll of remembrance. And so when you sit there at this point now and we enter this phase, I choose to forgive my father for X, Y, and Z. And I confess my sin of that anger, resentment, and bitterness we as the witnesses are in the courtroom with Jesus, the one who paid the price, who is the great lawyer, who can tell his dad this, this is happening, and we say amen. They confess their sin, amen. And so what's happening is there is a shift in the, in the court of heaven, in the legal process of scripture that sets this person free. And the devil loses his power at that moment. We've now collected the story, but we now, I choose to forgive, and I confess this, and it lines up with scripture, and the two witnesses, yes, amen. Now let's renounce the lie that all men are dogs, yes, and will you trust that your husband can be, yes, I wanna release that, I wanna trust him. Okay, there's, there's where you're gonna have to walk it out. Okay, so now we're at this place, and we, to have them, we wanna start to make sure, are you a believer? Oh yeah, I've been, uh, Ever since I was a baby, I've been baptized, I've been in church, every, I, I didn't ask you that. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? And we have them declare, and, if they say, and even if we're sure, would you make a declaration to us, right? Who is Jesus Christ to you? This is where in the courtroom setting, I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God, right? What you're just saying is, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Savior. He's my Lord. He died for me. He's my deliverer. He's my healer. He's my Jehovah Rapha. I declare those things, and the desire of my heart is I would leave this session free from all the baggage of my life. We just set in the tone of what the Lord is about to do. Then we seal the room, the blood covering of the room, and we declare Revelation 12. We now overcome by the blood of the Lamb. This is a blood covering. would cover our family, our loved ones. You can't touch them. Devil, as we start to enter into this, you're forbidden to do anything, to hinder, distract, distort, manipulate, or control anything in this process. And what you've done is you set the tone spiritually of what is in place. Question. 
Oh. Courts of heaven. That'll be awesome. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Okay, so so now what have we done? Number one, we've, t- we've got the team, we've got the covering, we've prayed, we've controlled, we've asked the Holy Spirit to come in, we've bound spirits of darkness, we ask that the gifts would be in operation, we've confirmed that the person is a born-again believer, and then they give themselves, Lord, come and do what only you can do. Then, tell us your story. Probably the next two and a half, three hours, they're telling their story. So what was your relationship around mom, dad, brothers, sisters, siblings, exes, boyfriends, teachers, coaches? What, what is it that, and anything happened there that, and they start to, you'll start to see a pattern. Okay, and you're logging that then as they're telling the story, you're booking spiritually, what's the lie? What's the spirit that's behind that lie? And you're starting to get a pattern, and this is where it really Sometimes it's words of knowledge start flowing, right? We've used some examples of these in my book, but uh, and we've talked about several here. So in that time, it's like, tell me about your life, your family. That's the bottom of page uh, page thirteen for number four there. Um, we don't st- right now. We're just collecting information. We're not in the midst of casting out anything, but we are watching. So you'll watch. You want to look for manifestations when they might start to talk about a particular person or event, especially traumatic, you may start to see body language that, hmm, or they may say, I'm feeling really sick right now, or I have this intense pain right here, where did that, and that, we've talked about that, could be a spirit of infirmity, it's a distraction, remember Jesus when the boy comes up in Mark 9, and he manifests and starts foaming at the mouth, that was all distraction. Jesus isn't very moved by all that. Now, you don't want the person to hurt themselves. We, we'll stop right there in the name of Jesus. I bind that spirit of pain, infirmity. You're not operating here. You're not distracting anything here in Jesus' name. And it is 90 plus percent of the time, it's like, it's gone or it's almost gone. You know? And so, just be aware. Because what's happening is you're starting to uncover the strong man and all of his sisters, and when they do that, they'll, they'll send up either a weaker demon at some point, they'll cause a distraction, the person may start to fall asleep, they might start to burp, they might start to cough, they might start, you know, get into, as you're watching what's happening, right? And then, okay. So then we go through, what, what was it that you need to forgive, what do you need to confess? And then, once they've, we've, I usually start the, before the breaking free session of actually con- going after specific demon groups. So is there anything you haven't told us that you think you should or you were afraid to tell us or embarrassed to tell us? And then you watch. And no, and by that time, you've already spent three plus hours. with you, They've really gotten comfortable. They realize you're probably not a bunch of jerks that are here and I'm now comfortable with, um, I'm feeling loved, I'm feeling is safe safe environment here, and that's what you hear, I've never told another human being about the things I just told you. I didn't even know some of the things I'm telling you. And it's really, really precious when the Holy Spirit just starts to really, it's the surgeon that gets in and they've done the exploratory, it's like, look at that. And you start to frame even the language around the lie. It's just, well, I've never thought of it that way. And you start to see connections, you say, I, how does, and don't, it's thus saith the Lord, don't, don't do any of that stuff, you know, God told me, just like, I'm getting a sense, or how does this witness with you? Because, remember, we're, what if you tell, well, you know, you, you got authority figures saying, well, the God just told me you got this issue going on. 
not a good strategy because we look through a glass darkly and we're still trying to follow with the surgeon's hands, right? And so be, be sensitive, be humble, be loving. Um, you can confront darkness if you need to or confront the lies, but do it with love, right? Okay. Um, then we move into the phase of it's time to confess and forgive. And we'll go down the list and we have, I have the list of all the people on the right-hand side. So what do you want to forgive your mom for? and have them verbalize, I choose to forgive my mother for the lack of affirming that she never gave me or told me that I was this or that. So you, what else do you want to, and we've, we've, we've heard some of this, what else do you, want, do you want to forgive your mom? Remember the time she beat you to the point where you had welts on your body and it wasn't even your fault, it was your brother's fault and you took the beating? Do you want to forgive her for that injustice? Because that's a spirit of injustice and you weren't believed. And I don't, there was a pattern in this one's life, I don't believe people are gonna believe me. That has a whole lot of ramifications to it. If you don't believe people are gonna believe you, you're gonna behave in a way that can be aberrant. So, so we'll, we'll, let's choose to forgive mom, and then once we've gone through the forgiveness, what do you wanna confess? Well, I, I confess that I've been angry and bitter at my mom. I've actually isolated her to the point so that's a confession item. So, so we're there, and then if there's any lies that are in there or um, curses that have shown up, why don't we break the curse that um, I'll never be pretty, that no one would ever want me? That doesn't line up with Scripture. Do you, do you realize that the Scripture says that the potter makes the clay and he likes what he makes? So who, and you're a masterpiece. It says out of Ephesians, you're a workmanship of Christ. And, and so you start loading scriptures in there with, you can't tell yourself, you can, but you shouldn't, tell yourself you're ugly and never gonna be anything. That's not scriptural. And sometimes I, you know, I have to tell them to get in the mirror. I do this especially with people who struggled with anorexia and bulimia, or they have real self-body image stuff well, you know, I'm, I'm overweight or I have a problem with food or I have, and, uh, and uh, you know, I'm not disciplined. I said, okay, God still sees you as beautiful and I do this especially with anorexic and uh, those who have really struggled with whole body image. It's kind of weird, but I tell them, you need to tell your soul what the spirit says and the spirit lives in you, right? And what does the scripture say? It says you're a masterpiece, you're beautiful, because he doesn't make anything that's not beautiful, and what he makes is good, because he makes everything good, and he works all things out for good. So I've had him um, stand in front of the mirror naked, I said go through your whole body and tell your spirit, man, tell your spirit to tell your soul, like David did, you have beautiful eyes, look at your eyes, look to, and call them out and your hair, well, what, pastor, that's a little weird. It, I'm just declaring what the masterpiece is of the master who made the masterpiece. And so how can you tell the potter he didn't do this right even though you don't think or some cultural thing says you're supposed to be this or that? He likes what he makes. And so once you get f- comfortable in your own skin and realize, yeah, because look, I, I would have loved to have been six foot four and a football player, but it, that wouldn't have worked out for me right and so and who knows what that would have done all right when I had bad knees or so I don't know so we just ask what the Lord does and he said look I I appreciate what you've done Lord and so we're declaring truth okay so we're renouncing lies and all that 
once that's done and, and they say, I, don't, I can't think of anybody else I need, well then let's just catch all. I choose now to forgive anyone at any time that's hurt me, betrayed me, and I release them and I bless them. And then confession, go down all the list of those areas, and you can group them. If it's been immorality, out of uh, wedlock stuff that's happened, pornography, those, you can group those together. I, I confess my sin of immorality, perversion, those things that have opened, I've opened doors and I behave, that's rebellion, I confess that as sin. Then I come over here, and the anger, resentment, gossip, hatred, racism, and then you tie it to families, and the last one, after we've gone through confession and forgiveness with everything we've, I then go up to the generational stuff. And what I do is I say, would you be willing now, first we want to cut you free from every soul tie, whether it's spiritual, physical, or emotional. So Lord, I ask you to take the sword of the spirit. Remember he said in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is full of living power and it's able to cut between soul and spirit and is also an intent and revealer of the, of the flesh. Take your two-edged sword, sharper than any other sword, and cut me free from every ungodly soul tie, physical, spiritual, emotional. We've already forgiven all those we participated in. We've already confessed all of our sin associated with that, that opened the door. Now, set me free. If I've had connections with witches, darkness, emotional connections, ungodly relationships, ungodly belief systems, Lord, cut me free. And now I renounce, and I specifically renounce, Lord, I want you to bless my children's children's children to the third and fourth generation, to a thousand generations, to bless them in the name of Jesus. So Lord, I ask now that you specifically, I come in agreement with these two witnesses, and I renounce the spirit of the Masonic over our family life. Whatever the family opened the door through, depression, sadness, addictions, alcoholism, early deaths, whatever has come through the family discussion. And what you're doing is you are standing there as the man or woman of peace and making a declaration to the court of heaven. Right now, the blood of Jesus has set my family line free and you don't get to mess or visit my children's children. And there's something like, whoo. I usually feel and there's like, yeah. I ask them, how does that feel? Feels really good. Yeah, okay. And so, what have we done now? We've done confession, forgiveness, we've done generational stuff, and now we tell them, okay, I'm gonna move your chair, and we're gonna come around you. We just want you to relax. You've done all the hard work, you've prepared, you've been here for making preparations for weeks, months, and now you've done what um, James 4 says, humble yourselves before God, draw close to him, and he'll draw close to you. Then you can resist the devil and he'll flee. It's conditional. And so you're at the place where this dude has no rights here. He's a trespasser, and guess what? We're gonna take our broom, and we're gonna sweep him out of this place. And so, <clears throat> sit there, but if you see something like, oh my gosh, I'm running through the tulips with Jesus, tell us about that, that's awesome. Or if you're like, I'm seeing a dark cloud, and I'm hearing a spirit of mocking like, you ain't never gonna get free. It'd be good if you told us that. So, tell us that, but just be open to receive. And we start, and then, I pull out my list of the groupings and let's deal with rejection. In the name of Jesus, I speak to the spirit of rejection. Anything that's tried to manipulate, control, coerce, whatever, try to attach itself. Rejection, fear fear of man, maybe fear of failure, whatever's associated with that or I'll never amount to anything. And we just say, go, just get out. You have to go to the dry place. Remember he told us in Matthew 12, you can't cast them in the pit that's nice, as they go to the dry place, 
Remember? And they don't like to be there. That's why they try to come back with seven worse if the house is not full after it's been swept clean and not filled with the Holy Ghost. So we then go down the listing in the name of Jesus. We call it out, command it to go, and we're watching. We're watching facial expressions because all of a sudden it's like (coughs) or burping, right? It's like, okay. Mm -hmm. Or like Oh, mm. usually that's associated with witchcraft that they've been involved in stuff so but again it's less dramatic when you spend all the time unauthorizing the devil to be involved and in, in confessing and agreeing with with what the Lord says once we've gone through our complete list I say so how do you feel now feeling really good okay let's ask the Holy Spirit to come and I quote out of Luke 11 he says if an evil father can give a a good gift to their children, how much more would Heavenly Father give Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And I usually have our whole team. Let's just, what do we all like? We've all been hearing stuff and you know, fighting in the war here together. So I just say, Father, would you do what you said in Luke chapter 11? We open ourselves to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the greatest gift out of Acts chapter one, verse four. Lord, would you send that spirit of holiness to us? We receive it right now. And we just wait. And then, we lay hands on them. <clears throat> we invite the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. Lord, if now that you've invited in the Holy Spirit, we would like fruit. We would like gifts. And wouldn't you like to be dressed in warfare armor? And we quote Ephesians chapter 6, put on the full armor. And we actually, generally, <clears throat> my partner, if it's a female, will physically touch the helmet of salvation, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness. So we dress them in war. And we ask, Lord, now release the fruit of your spirit, love and joy. Let their whole family, let everybody even question, like, what's different about you? It's like you're different. Fruit of the spirit, yes. And how about the gifts operating? Make them effective. Wisdom, knowledge, discernment, faith, healing. So there you've got, you've dressed them for war, you've, in, you've asked the Holy Spirit to fill them, they've received it all. They're probably the cleanest vessel they've ever been in their lifetime, maybe except when they were first born. And so at that point, you're in, you're in a place here, the armor of God, number 11, the gifts are there, number 10, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, number nine. <clears throat> then this is a real good point if they've got physical ailments. Yeah, I got a knee problem, I got a joint problem, I got this. This is a place where we now anoint with oil and it says the prayer offered in faith, right? If any suffering among you, come call for the elders, let them anoint with oil and the prayer offered in faith shall sozo them. So we pray. And this is, again, we're watching because at that point, it's really awesome. Um, They've done their best to forgive. So if, you, if it's brought in by bitterness from unforgiveness, likely to go. So this is a place where I remember praying for uh, Russ Hamilton. He was a guy who had been um, injured in a, in a combustion engineering uh, accident, had been paralyzed, set free, but he had some back issues. When, when I, we did pr- Russ's prayer ministry, we verbally heard the cracking of his back straightening out. He goes, are you hearing that? I said, I am. But he was feeling it. We were like, like, whoa. And so this is a point where, wow, you can pray for that healing to come and we just celebrate Jehovah Rapha. And then we want to realize we've been in war. We've had our swords out and we've been fighting the devil. We've heard a bunch of stuff that can be, ugh. Um, 
we want to be cleansed. So we ask the Holy Spirit. And Miss Addie's real good. She goes, she does all this stuff, does it to everybody, you know. Cut you free in the name of Jesus. Wash them, cleanse us, take us, set us free from all that. There will be, just as a comment, if you've heard some stuff that's really been heartbreaking, it can carry with you for a day or two afterwards. I've had that experience where I remember, it's like, one, we celebrate the freedom. But two, you can still, it's kind of like if you've been in an athletic competition or been in a war, there's some muscle hurt, there's there's a residual there. So you want to keep, you want to pray into that. It's not uncommon. You've heard some stuff that is really life traumatic. And you've been, you've been able to be part of that as a sur- helping the surgeon do the work. But there can be some reserves. So you want to cut yourself free. Continue even as, what are you thinking about? If you're getting flashbacks of the hurt and the wounds, do this work. I know what your word says. And renounce that feeling. So that doesn't happen all the time, but it can for some really traumatic thing. Okay, we're going to land this. Uh, the last thing I want to say is then... We give them, look at page, page 16. We hand this to them, and we, first we, we, we celebrate what's been done, and we give them, and we, I've already, I, I've been handing this out and giving a copy to everyone in prayer ministry that says, look, part of what we do today is to help you get free, but we want you to stay free. This is the work you've got to do. So take and analyze your thoughts. So I spend some time in the meeting about looking at scripture and showing them and giving this handout to them. This is another handout we give them. It says, you should really attend a church where the word of God is being preached because it says there, number one, Hebrews 10, 25 says, do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together, especially as you see the day of the Lord drawing near. And he's drawing near. You better be in a fellowship. And you better be a good participant in the fellowship. So, so, but it ought to be a fellowship where the word's being preached. Truth, right? Because um, that matters. Your covering matters. And, and we get people from all over. They come in from other states. So we encourage them. Daily time of devotion and prayer and Bible reading. That Joshua 1.8 says that if you'll meditate on this word day and night, you'll be successful. So you gotta get it in, even when it's hard to do that in our busy lives. Uh, resisting, that's that whole you know, second um, Corinthians 10. But here's some of the scriptures. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Put on the full armor of God. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Do spiritual warfare to resist the enemy. Number four, get some Christian fellowship, friendships, women's group, men's group, accountability folks. And then three so months from now, if you've got a particular area, you can do a what we call a tune-up session. You can get with some folks that are trained and just do a, a smaller session. There's one area of my life I'm still struggling in this area. seems to be a problem. And so, okay, that's the model. Praise God. Thank you for letting me go a little over. Question. All right, so we have covered it. Uh, okay. We got people online here. Let me answer that strategically. Um, if, if you are, let's say that you've made judgments, and they may be a righteous judgment, You've made a judgment against someone based on what you, and you've now become resentful and bitter. Uh, that's a real trap. And, and, uh, and so we're supposed to pray, right? It doesn't say, it, it says test, but it says if you judge, you'll be judged. Remember, you're sowing and reaping. So 
this is a this is a difficult that's a difficult place to be uh, because we can see unrighteousness. So what do I do with that? That guy and and I could I could go and actually curse him, right? You know, all all of them. I don't recommend that. Um, I've had to repent of this myself, you know, because it's something like, how can they make this decision, right? And so, but we were also said in Romans 13, we're supposed to pray for those in authority. And Jesus didn't lead a revolt. Um, so he did spiritually, but not against the Roman Empire. So I, anyway, I just uh, encourage you, yes, if that's, if that's causing you a lot of anxiety and, and, and anger, resentment, and that's, yeah, it can is a real balance there of, Lord, how do I pray for this what I see? You're giving me wisdom. And recognize a lot of these folks in power, that they're not believers. So believers are good at sinning. They're just, you know, they're good at it. So. Oh, thank you. No, uh, we, no, we, I mean, we covered prayer in general. Um, my recommendation here is <clears throat> if someone is annoying you or doing something that is annoying, let's just put it that way, or you know it's wrong, right? It's, it's evil, yeah. Let's say, you know, some of the stuff that we see going on even in the streets. Okay, that does not line up with Scripture, and it's either evil, they're calling good evil and good evil good, so how do I pray about that? I know you're hard on this, Lord. I know you still love them, but this is wrong. So Lord, I, this confu- you can bind, we, we dealt with spiritual stuff. We, what's the spirit behind it? We know that the spirit of Molech is behind abortion. That's a murdering spirit. And yet it's been justified as good. It's not. And it doesn't line up anywhere with scripture. Children are a gift from God. Therefore, God, I pray. So you get the heart of God on this. God, I know that they're confused and they do not understand this. And that spirit of murder is a spirit of Molech that's been around for centuries and centuries. Lord, would you bind that spirit? And Lord, I pray that you bring revelation. We prayed in our intercession for the judges, the judiciary, to make a decision because that will affect the nation and affects the generations that are going. So, so I would get the heart of God on Scripture in that, and you can, you can ask Holy Spirit you know, or Siri to tell you what the Holy Spirit says about that in Scripture that says, so Lord, what, what, is, what does the Scripture say about children and the gift of life? And then you can pray that and, so, and try to guard your own heart because, yeah, Chester. Masonic, yeah. We will, we will, when someone says, I, my family member, the question was, what about Eastern Star? There are different uh, subsets of the Masonic secret societies, whether it's uh, Scottish Rites, Shriners. So w- when someone says, well, we'll kinda, we can ask those questions. Uh, have, have any of your family members been involved in X, Y, and Z? Or Native American, you have any Native American history? We're not gonna cast out your legitimate history, but if there's been animism where you're worshiping the stars and the sun, then we wanna ask the Lord to, 
to set you free from that generational confusion. And so, yeah, good point. And so, or they'll say, yeah, I went to a psychic with my mom, and uh, I said, well, can you tell me what the psychic said? Do you remember anything? Oh, yeah, said I would be married twice. Heard that one before. Twice. What does that mean? What ha- she never said what would happen to my first husband. Huh. Um, well, do you want to accept that lie, or do you, what, you want what truth? See, the, there are times we know the devil can tell some truth, and it sometimes is, man, they were right on. I said, yeah, but what's now the fruit afterwards? So pursue that. When they open it, they, when they open it and say, this is what's happened, do you want to you go down and take your shovel out in the root system and, okay, where's that root going, right? Any other questions? I guess we better pick up the kids. Let me pray for you. So next week, we're going to start, we're probably not going to have worship. We're going to start right on time. And uh, <clears throat> I'm going to show the John Ramirez, but it can't be shown online. But we will give you, if you'd like to watch it online, and those that are listening by live stream, you can go on and connect into it, watch it, and then we'll come back. And we'll finally, we're going to finish up. You've been really, really awesome and patient, and I thank you for that. The next steps for those who want to be involved in, let me just reiterate, if you want to be involved in ministry team, Terry's kept a really good book of all the six or seven weeks of ministry team training that we did. And then we've had, what, six or seven weeks of prayer ministry training. So now what do I do with that? Where do I go next on this? If if you're not part of the existing ministry team, you've not been released yet, in the first handout we gave you was a thing called the ministry agreement sheet which is in that first handout and that basically is it just asks a series of questions um, on kind of what I would call their core values of our team if you get offended in church which you will I'm not prophesying it's just a fact if you've never been offended in your family um, <laughs> wow right yeah come pray for me yeah so so you, there's, you, you know, this idea that I should never get hurt in church. Oh, really? <laughs> Woo-hoo, you probably, anyway. So what do you do with that? Well, Jesus said in Matthew 18, if you're offended, someone hurts you, uh, betrays you, sins against you, go to them privately. So you're gonna sign here, if I ever get offended, or when I get offended, you initial, I will go to them privately. And we've done this one, right, Lisa? Yeah, yeah. I even offended her right when, a couple of times, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, We're good now, though. Because Matthew 5 says, if you think someone has an offense again, so if Lisa was, this happened, but if Lisa's looking at me like, (laughs) not that she would ever do that, I might hear from the Holy Spirit, I think Elisa might have an issue with me, right? Now, it might not be. Maybe she's just mad at Brian. Never, she'd never be mad at Brian. But, so, but, but it, so Matthew 5 says, if you think someone has an issue with, them, with you, go to them and leave your gift at the altar and be reconciled. So one boundary is, if I think someone's got an issue, go find out about it. And if I really got an issue with you, go find out about it, but do it righteously. You initial here, you'll behave that way. And you may get called on it. I am so angry at this person. Well, have you, why are you talking to me about it? Have you gone to them yet? No, well in three days I'm gonna go to them and find out if you have. Okay, it's because you can't have someone sitting on this side of the sanctuary and someone sitting on this side, they wanna throw rocks at each other. Doesn't help the unity, right? And it's illegal in the scripture. 
And we're asking the Holy Spirit, come Holy Ghost. And I'm so angry, I like to lob a rock over there. No, that doesn't work. So ministry team agreement sheet is, will you participate? You know, how do you join the church? There is no record of, you have to sign, no, but it's, you join with your heart, you join with your resources, you join. So there's a, this asks a series of questions, spiritual covering, etc. And that's the, then once you finish this, line up for your own prayer ministry, because we don't put anybody on ministry team or in prayer ministry that has not had their own bags unpacked. Right? And then once you've done that, if you want to be part of the ministry team, set up an interview with myself or Pastor Terry, and... Uh, We'll walk you through this, and what, you want to be in children's ministry, you want to be children's ministry, we'll add another thing. There'll be a, a vetting process for background checks. If you want to be part of the worship team, we'll line you up with a worship leader, and there'll be some voice lessons with Lou, and we'll find out you know, what instrument you play. And um, Yeah, so we want you to be in ministry anywhere that you would like to be, but there's a process to get you there. And then if you're not released, don't pray for anybody. It's very annoying when there's people that walk in the house, there were some here Friday night, they walk in the house, they're not part of this house, and they start laying hands on people. Yeah. And Terry and I will generally correct you. Um, it happens sometimes, you know, in the tent and everything, but, you know, not my place. And so, so it's like, okay, if you're not released, just receive. Now, I've had people get really angry. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for 12 years. I said, that's fine. I'm grand, great, but you're not a pastor in this house, and you're not going to, well, you don't have the, and they leave. And like, okay. So part of this is, is um, not control, but it's safety, you know? And so I wouldn't go to somebody else's house and start taking over. That's like, what are you kidding me? So, okay, so I just encourage you to, Follow the process because there's safety in it and get the ministry agreement sheet set up for prayer ministry, do that, and then find your place in ministry. Let's pray and we'll release you to go here. Lord, I thank you for, one, I, I just love the hunger and the desire to be trained in warfare and to be skilled and to know scripture and none of us have the corner on all this truth, and there are different methods and technical techniques to this, so God, I just pray that you continue to give us wisdom and revelation. We started this by saying prayer ministry is about the love of God, and whatever ministry we do, love has to be at the center of it. So it's not how big and bad we are and what we know about our authority, it's really who you are in us that releases the love, because 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these in love. Those three will remain, but the greatest is love. And so you'll be known, Jesus said, by your love. Not how many demons, in fact, there's a warning in Matthew 7. On that day, there'll be those that said, didn't you, you called me Lord, Lord. You cast out demons and prophesied, but I never knew you. Because if it's not rooted and grounded in love, then it's not anything, it's, there's no value, no credit is given. So I pray, Lord, on all of what we're doing that, Lord, we want the love of God to be known. You'll be known by your love. Let that be the center of who we are as a Global River Church, whether we're serving in the house, out of the house, all over. Let us be known by neighbors, friends. We're loving, we don't compromise, but we're lovers. And so we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. God bless you all. Thank you for being so patient.